0: Welcome to Creating Coalitional Gestures, a BiWAP podcast by and for Black, Brown, and Indigenous women of color in writing studies. This is a digital space by and for self-identified women, both cis and trans, as well as non-binary scholars of color. I am your host, Edith Ruiz. This podcast is a collaboration between SPARK Writing and Working for Change series and Scholars in Rhetoric and Writing, in an effort to create resilient strategies. We are pro-Black, pro-Brown, pro-women, pro-Indigenous. We envision this podcast as a healing justice project seeking to transform the impact of BiWOC on the field of writing studies. Creating coalitional gestures will take you on a journey. We will explore what healing means in writing studies by conversing with scholars, teachers, activists, and writers of color. We gesture towards healing and creating coalitions of women of color in order to remedy the silences because our culture stories and unique experiences continue to sustain us. We celebrate our traditions, our struggles, our triumphs, and our world as many of us are still searching for connection, recognition, belonging, and legitimation while honoring who we are as critical writing studies practitioners who also delve on the margins of cyborg and queer identities. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Creating Coalitional Gestures. Today, I'll be interviewing Dr. Sherry Craig. Dr. Sherry Craig is an assistant professor of English, but more specifically, she is an assistant professor of professional and technical writing and first year writing. Um, Let's see, she's at the University, she's at the Westchester University of Pennsylvania. Much of her work centers on improving writing and communication that addresses diversity and equity concerns in in industry and nonprofit organizations. Currently, she consults with an engineering company in her area to examine the lacking inclusivity within their hiring and their retention practices. She hasn't always found a home in the academy, however. Sherry has been a manager in an English tea house and a hotel. She's been a caterer and a server. She was even an ice cream scooper for a while. You can find her work in WPA writing program administration and in the performative identities of Lady Gaga, an edited collection on her whiteness. Sherry has recently co-edited the second volume of Spark celebrating the 50th anniversary of Black Studies and its activist histories and futures. This is available at sparkactivism.com, and I am so excited to talk with Cherie today about this as well. Welcome, Cherie, to Creating Coalitional Gestures. Thanks
1: so much for having me, Edis
0: oh you're welcome this is really exciting to be able to talk with you i've been following you for the last year and um, we met actually briefly at the conference on community writing in philadelphia and i was able to hear you talk about um the spark special issue on black studies and i was so excited about it so i'm really excited to hear more about that so let's go ahead and get right into the questions We'll start off with some questions about your research and we'll see where that takes us to. Okay, so getting right into the question, um, what is the tenor of your research right now? What informs your research and what theoretical framework are you interested in right now?
1: I feel like I'm gonna say this is a tough one for a lot of the questions today, (laughs) Um, but this is a tough one. Um, It's taken me a long time to discover myself um, and my interests and my tenor, as you so lovely put it, um, after a rather difficult and somewhat traumatic doctoral program experience, um, I knew almost immediately, you know, I defended the diss, um, drank myself quite a bit, <laughs> walked across the stage, and the next morning got on an airplane in that order in three days' time. And I knew by the time I got on the plane that um, I didn't want to follow the path of my graduate research, and I rather disliked the person I had become at my former institution. Um, I really didn't realize I was so disconnected from my work until my campus visits that you know I, I tend to say now that if you don't know who you are a campus visit will tell you pretty quickly and um, I didn't recognize myself and so the tenor of my research right now is very much one of discovery um, I'm only two years out of my PhD program and I didn't do the good job of tending to myself during that program. Um, And so when I think about my research now, um, I think about the work um, that I do and like the research that I chase, it's simply just what calls me in the moment. I feel very, (laughs) very improv with everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm reading and sort of leaning towards, um, both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. My biggest thought right now is, um, you know what do you want to read sherry (laughs) now just go write that um and in many ways write that r-i-g-h-t um because it's not there oftentimes which was a big critique of mine um in grad school and it's a big critique now is that the things i want to read um, i'm just not finding in writing studies i'm just not finding in rhetorical study and I want it there and so if it's gonna be there I've got to find it there <laughs> I've, you know if, if it's not make it you've, if it's not there you got to make it
0: so. mm-hmm. oh wow thank you yeah I've actually heard that quite a bit um, with respect to comp red and writing studies mm-hmm. as far as yeah the availability of scholarship on critical race theory I mean some of the work that I uh, know that you Told me that you like and that you're interested in, such as um, black feminist thought and um, anything that folks focuses on praxis, but while also focusing on race. Um, and so I was just wondering um, if you could just reflect. You said you're only two years out of your PhD program, which is wow, that's not long at all. <laughs> no. so, <laughs> not long at all. <laughs> so, so that experience is still pretty fresh with you. I was just wondering if you could span, expand just a little bit on. Um, how that disconnect happened? How do you think it happened? How did that disconnect when you went Mm -hmm. on the job market? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you how do you think that happened? And what do you see? How can you reflect on that?
1: I stumbled my way into a doctoral program. Um, There was a point where I was working at Northern Arizona as contract faculty and um, my WP at the time, a wonderful man named Dr. Greg Glau, was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, you're too smart. You're too good. Like, go get a PhD, make money, do research. And I did. <laughs> and, um, um, I loved it. I, I wrote my letters. I, you know, got my statement of purpose. I wanted to study Black comedic performance um, particularly on stage and orality um, and really connect historical understandings of that to contemporary performances and i was really excited and then i went to my program (laughs) i was less excited Um, i felt isolated you know there's only so many times you can hear you're one of a few black people to ever come through the program um, and that it had been a dozen years or so before, um, with the last one that had come through, and you know they had brought two of us, um, my dear friend Talisha Hatoonga Morrison, and there's only so many times you can hear that <laughs> before you're like, well, I guess I'm not doing this black comedic performance um, because no one's there to support that vision and those dreams and that understanding, and um, and so I found myself digging into something that I found lacking which was mentorship and support um, in particular for black students in particular for graduate students not just at my doctoral program but I think it's a glaring error and absence in many doctoral programs Um, and so I started chasing that um, and I ended up writing a dissertation that had no mentions of race whatsoever Mm -hmm. Um, and that's mostly true there's a very small paragraph um, footnote in my introduction that discusses the difficulty of being a black woman doing these interviews and talking about mentorship and training and support for graduate students and writing programs to all white participants (laughs) who were tenured and who were administrators and who had been in the game for 20 years and shit and um, how challenging that was. And for me, that was the most interesting paragraph in this hundred 100 page long document. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was shocking. And so, you know, now when I think about what that disconnection happened and when it happened, it, it happened at a point where I felt like I was in survival mode. Um, how do I do the work that's expected of me? And how do I get out intact? Um, Again, not realizing that at the moment, I was not intact. It just felt like it, Um, Mm -hmm. I had lost a piece of myself. And so now when I think about the theoretical frameworks that informed me at the time and inform me now, um, as you said, like it's absolutely black feminist thought. I don't think you can be a black woman and not (laughs) look to black feminist thought. I don't think you can be in this world and not feel called to critical race theory. Um, I'm also very much like critical of black feminist thought and the idea of feminist, which has not had a room for many women of color, especially black women. And so pulling towards Walker's feminist uh, womanism, even though Walker is deeply problematic for me in many ways, um, I appreciate the community aspects And the relationing um, and the support that comes out of womanism that we sometimes don't see in black feminist thought and sometimes don't see certainly in feminism Um, Mm -hmm. but then thinking about storytelling um, and thinking about um, counter stories of course from the brilliant dr asia martinez uh, and dr april baker bell and the black storytelling practices and histories um, i think narratives and our stories are so deeply rooted in there um, which is why I continue to try to tell <laughs> tell less than a, a shiny story about um, graduate school and earning a doctorate as a black woman at a historically white institution. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I commend you for making it through. <laughs> <laughs> you too. <laughs> yeah, because I know I know um, quite a few people who have had experiences in terms of a lack of me- mentorship and sometimes that can be a really crucial part right of finishing up the program um
1: well and- I left it's like one of the things oh, that saved me is that well I say that I left the area so I didn't drop okay. out but um I got a fellowship and I moved I moved four or five states away um and did not engage with the program in my last year outside of my defense (laughs) it it was wonderful and healing and difficult but one of the only ways i made it through was to completely remove myself from the from the system from the program oh okay great oh um
0: So you got a fellowship, and then you felt that you were able to reflect a little bit more during that year that you were away, and to be able to finish. And um, and then you said you went into the job market, and you felt a little bit of disconnect there. Um, I I wonder too, you know, about your dissertation. Looking back on your dissertation, Mm -hmm. um, you said that you have kind of like this really short part, which is footnoted in your dissertation about your positionality, Um, and you know that's something that's interesting because um, I wonder why you decided to footnote it and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it but we understand that you know in the field uh it's usually it's common practice to give a little bit of background about your positionality so I just wonder if it, it was that do you feel like that's a representation of the program in which you're in um in terms of footnoting that
1: I didn't want to include it at all okay um, I didn't want to include it because as I was writing the dissertation and um, on market and during campus visits no matter what my job talk was no matter what conversations about my dissertation my research you know my um, potential (laughs) my potential for scholarly excellence no no matter what conversations we have it would default to do you want to teach african-american rhetorics Um, or tell us about race or you know making making my raced body the center of research, which at the time had nothing to do with race. And so I felt resentful that you know, oftentimes we don't ask white scholars. So tell us about your whiteness. (laughs) Like, Do you want to teach this this canonical all-white course? Is that really where your heart, you know, where your heart is? Are you going to leave us because you're white? (laughs) You know, so I felt really resentful on the job market and when preparing my materials. And so I included it as a footnote. Um, almost as a thumbing my nose at the request to speak to the issue in the first place. The mm-hmm. dissertation that I wrote, which was on mentoring, training, and support of graduate students in their, w- in their writing program, Practica, had nothing to do with race. Um, I didn't talk to graduate students. I only talked to administrators. Um, and yet I was being asked to speak to that area, my own positionality. And what I found out through talking about my work and thinking really critically about my work for the, for the first time. I wasn't didn't feel like I got real critical <laughs> engagement about my diss until the job market. Um, you know, I found out and I, I really, truly, honestly believe now that what we think about as mentorship is too often just whitewashing, especially for students of color. Um, and oppressive and riddled with white supremacist histories and features. And really, I found like my blackness was being erased for professionalism, being erased for collegiality, being erased for performativity. That is not my loud black ass. (laughs) And and, um, I'm still working on that resentment um, that I just can't be a scholar in this field. I have to be a black scholar in this field, except for now, I feel resentful that I've given up so much time being that black scholar and fighting for these issues. Um, And now like trying to find myself within these conversations in some ways feels like too little, too late, Craig, like get your shit together. (laughs) Um, But it also feels really empowering because now I know I'm doing it for me and not because of expectations that have been laid out for me to navigate um, a system that was never made for me to succeed within it.
0: Okay, Well, thank you for sharing that part of your journey with us. I think that's really important for people to think about, Um, you know, as a scholar of color within writing studies, um, you know, what does it mean to be pushed towards always having to examine um, the world and examine praxis from a racialized position um, when other scholars don't necessarily have to think about that? And then doing it because you want to do it. There's a difference there. Doing it because you want to do it, and you realize there's um, there was a, some missed opportunities, mm-hmm. and we have to ask, you know, why did we mm-hmm. why did we decide those missed op- opportunities? But um, let's mm-hmm. go ahead and, and move on a little bit. I think you've touched on a little a, a little bit in terms of the direction or the transition that your research is taking now that you've had a chance to like look back and reflect, um, and and so bringing it a little bit now more to the present, and you've had um, you know this experience as a professional now in the field what do you have to say about the relationship between your research and the current political climate or in what way do you see or not see your research being implicated in your perspective um in your perspective on current politics
1: in the united states Mm -hmm. i'm so glad you're asking this question um in fact i i I've been working from a position of anger, which <laughs> I love. Like I absolutely love it, and I'm I'm deeply, deeply moved by Audrey Lord's use of use of anger, um, in particular use of anger towards racism. But just walking around the world angry, and I laugh when I say that because maybe 2016. Um, in the 2016 election, early 2017, I remember a bunch of people walking around and be like, I'm angry. I should be angry about Hillary. I'm angry. And I'm like, well, who the hell gets to be angry? Um, you know, and like, as a black woman, like I'm an angry black bitch every day. day, And I, I own that. Like, I love that. Um, but like, how do we get to walk around the world and demonstrate and use that anger and be angry? And so I've been thinking a lot about what would it mean if everyone who was really angry demonstrated their anger and not in safe ways, but in these really like, I'm going into the streets and I'm setting target on fire. Like I'm angry, um, you know, or like, I'm, I'm gonna like, I saw a picture of this woman um, in Portland with a hockey stick, like batting away tear gas, like that's oh, some man. anger in there. Like I, <laughs> and so what would that look like? How productive would it be if we lived in that moment of anger? Um, and so a lot of what I think right now is happening in my research is looking to, um, to historical and to contemporary like demon, like representations, demonstrations of Fed upidness. <laughs> like I'm I like sick that of, word. Like I'm just up. sick of it. Like I am fed up yeah. and filled with fed upness. And um, and I wanted like make anger as this productive beneficial thing, not only for healing oneself and owning that anger and talking through it and finding outlets for it. Um, but for recognizing it and not tamping it down. I heard this wonderful term called emotional constipation that most women of color walk around the world in. And emotional constipation is something happens, you tap it down, and you, tap it down and you tap it down, and you tap it down, and you tap it down, and so you get stuffed. Mm. And it's this really interesting idea that you get so stuffed that you're just uncomfortable. And you'll do just about anything to get it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like a nice graphic image. But it, it feels that way. Like, it feels like... There's just women of color walking around, and maybe this isn't you, but it's definitely me and some of my friends walking yeah. around, constipated by their anger, mm-hmm. constipated by their sadness and their grief, and yeah. even their joy, and not really being able to express those things with their whole bodies and their whole mm-hmm. sense of selves. Yes. And so I've really been thinking a lot about like our current political climate and how we are creating more room to be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to find more ways to allow ourselves to be angry black bitches, to be, yeah. <laughs> to be feisty Latinas, like to be, like whatever stereotype has been given to us, like yeah. own that shit, like uh-huh. buck up, let's go. <laughs> like in, into the streets. Right. Um, and so I'm also feeling like... My research and what I'm writing and what I'm thinking about a lot is what does it mean to be anti-anti-racist? And I don't say that as I think anti-racism is bad, but how quickly it's become a buzzword, how quickly it's become empty phrases of, oh, now everyone's read K- Kendi. And it's like, I'm anti-racist. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you just know a new word. Like you're like a kindergartner where now everything you say is that thing that you've just learned. You're not anti-racist. You don't know what this work looks like. You don't know what it's what it's like to like live in this moment, doing this work in your career for your lifetime. Um, <laughs> like Now you're anti-racist go sit down <laughs> like you know stand up go, but like go sit down with your people <laughs> like don't come sit down with me don't stand up with me like you <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it I love I it almost I
1: almost feel anti-anti-racist but in the same way an, an anti-like <laughs> diversity you know like what is diversity yeah. get out of here oh, yeah. I know. inclusivity I know. like you just learned that word you don't know what it means you're not practicing <laughs> it <laughs> You know, equity versus equality, bitch. <laughs> okay. So it's a little yeah. difficult for me thinking about the relationship between my research and the current political climate because mm-hmm. to think about research in the current political climate also feels comical to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's hot out there. You know, the world's on fire. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. To to think about to think about research, right? To think about this this productivity is is tough. <laughs> I'm angry about it. <laughs>
0: Yes, please. And I love the way that you're expressing that. The praxis is definitely there. I I think a lot of us can share that sentiment, you know, to be angry and um, to embrace that word bitch, right? Um, What does that mean to be empowered right now? What does it mean to um, be able to express yourself without fear of being labeled, Mm -hmm. you know, as an aggressive person or somebody Mm -hmm. who is threatening? Um, Yeah, I think a lot of us are feeling that way as well at the same time. Time, you know, like exactly what you're saying, being embedded in these uh, initiatives that, um, you know, they, they really sound great on paper. They do. Um, so, yeah, where do we go from there? Um, and you mentioned this thing about. Um, you know productivity that productivity is bullshit right now Our productivity is <laughs> like, what do I you mean by that <laughs> I know we're trying to survive every day but we have these deadlines right <laughs> and yeah we have these deadlines and you recently um, released a special issue on black studies so we know you've been somewhat we know we, you've been productive so talk <laughs> a little bit about what that means to be productive right now
1: much in the same way that I think everything feels right now how could you not right like how could you not want to enter these conversations but also like there's so much beauty and creativity that comes out of moments of resistance and moments of challenge and difficulty we get some of the best art, we get some of the best poetry, some of the most creative, beautiful clothes. We get this renaissance of of really, really lovely things in the hardest and darkest of times. And so I feel almost this tough, impossible juxtaposition between like productivity is a lie. (laughs) Productivity is so rooted in white supremacy, so rooted in capitalism, so rooted in Um, someone else telling you what is and is not good enough. But how could we not feel like capable in this moment to create really beautiful, meaningful things out of our pain, out of our trauma, out of our, you know, out of the challenges of being alive in this moment where people are dying all around us for all sorts of reasons. And so in editing the special issue slash volume, (laughs) depending on who you talk to, um, it was one of the hardest tasks that I've had to complete both as a person and a professional. You know, we pushed the deadline. um, The initial deadline was December 2019 for pieces to come in with the expected publication of March, 2020 just in time for C's. And by the time we inched close to that, the everything had fallen apart. Like we were staring at it was Mad Max out there. <laughs> <It was all laughs> people searching for water in the desert wearing badass clothes. You know, and it it was like how could we, me and my co-editor Carrie Ann Sotorvega, how could we ask for reviews? right now? How could we ask for revisions? How could we ask for, like, get this to us by Friday, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. um, from authors who were predominantly women of color, who were spanning graduate student status to chairs of departments trying to figure out the world and the world's in chaos. The world's on fire, and we're like, "But you promised us you'd write this thing, for, you know." And so it was—it was very hard. When even myself, like I struggled to wake up and turn on the computer and get the work done. And it felt very hypocritical um, for me, at least, to to show up um, pro- in a productive way and not just turn on the news and sit in it and turn off the computer and sit in it, and sleep, and try to eat, and try to drink water, you know, wild plants anyway. And so, I, I, I think that, like, this idea of, of productivity right now, um, it's it's comical, but, like, how could we not? You know, in the work that we did for the volume, like, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. I think it's, you know, Spark is relatively new. I think the work that we did for it is really, um, special and I'm grateful for all of our contributors and all of our authors and for Carrie-Anne Sotovega and for um, Don Unger uh, who's you know a great friend and a great leader yeah, yeah. Um, and so like thinking a lot about trying to get that thing done because we needed we needed those voices we needed those pieces from these black authors and all but um, two of our Authors and contributors for the volume are black, and and so like really thinking about what our responsibility was to them, to our field, to ourselves. Um, and I I I I hit I hit publish on that the web volume, and I must have slept for three days. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I
0: imagine. <laughs> oh my goodness it's everything that you've said is um just reminds me of how we've been going through these waves you know mm-hmm. waves of um well we had these things that we were working on and then exactly like you said you know we were, yeah we turned into Mad Max and um everything kind of fell apart but at the same time like we're going into this new era. It's it's not really new, but it's more uh, pronounced with the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and so we're like, OK, we were working on that. And it kind of goes back to your point where all of a sudden it's, you know, posh to be anti-racist. But you were already working on this. As I said, you know, I mentioned I met you there in Philadelphia. You were already working <laughs> on this. Right. And we were just so excited about it. And now it's like, yeah, and it's Black Lives Matter too now, right? And mm-hmm. and we're thinking about that, right? Yeah, it is like part two, and um and we could we could say you know it's probably more than part two, but but just within this particular moment, um, I imagine you know, that the challenges there. I think what you said was beautiful about how in these times you see some of the most beautiful and genuine, um, you know, mm-hmm. pieces of art, pieces of poetry, literature, and going forward. And, um, you know, it's it's something that we need to keep paying attention to and then hopefully just put at the center. So thank you for sharing that experience with us. And I'm really excited to look at it. And I, I hope everybody who's listening will also take a peek at it and see what's going on there, share it you know maybe include it in your syllabi um yeah share it with people share it far and wide this is amazing right it's it's something we haven't had yet in the field and um, we need to be paying attention to how uh the scholars are committing themselves to activism and so um let's go ahead and talk a little bit about um any other collaborations that you might be working on? I know you're saying like productivity is is difficult right now, but after this issue on Black studies, I know you're not done, right? <laughs> you're not done, right? I think you're just starting. That's what I think
1: I've, what I've think? really been thinking a lot about you know like how we understand productivity and how we understand scholarship uh, for those of us who are at primarily teaching institutions you know I have a four-four load meaning 100 plus students a semester and productivity and publication is absolutely a part of my life and and these projects are important um but to carve out space in my in my brain (laughs) for for that to carve out space in my schedule for that um it's just a different conversation for other people who are given time and given space. And so right now I'm sitting, I'm teaching right now, like right this moment, but I'm I'm sitting in a space where um, I'm actually hoping to do more collaboration work with this engineering firm that I'm working with um, and their communication practices and thinking about the role of black bodies in corporate America and preparation and professionalization Um, and all of this coded (coughs) couch language, which ultimately means like nice and kind and white um, (laughs) within within these fields um, and what that means, uh, both speaking from industry. It's one of the things that I'm most passionate about as someone who hasn't always found a home in academia. What does it mean for people who have, and I say this jokingly, at least as much as I can, who have real jobs? Um, you know what What does it mean for them because I know what happens with me in these spaces when I hear collegiality and I hear professionalism um, and I hear niceness and civility you know but what does it mean when we see that in, in industry and so working a little bit with them. Um, and part of my agreement with them is that we will be working on, <laughs> we will be working on some writing, um, cause I can't just do this work. <laughs> um, and so that's one of the collaborations that I have going on right now that I'm, I'm sort of thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like, I'm honestly a little collaborated out. Yeah. And I don't say that like, because I detest collaboration, like I love, working with other people and bouncing ideas off of others and sort of trying to push my own knowledge forward and my own comfort forward. Um, But after doing the special issue where I felt like there were one too many hands in the pot, I need a moment to sit with my own mm-hmm. <laughs> my own research like the, the things that I'm, I'm really interested in um it makes sense it makes yeah, sense yeah yeah really but I lot. feel like doing things like this you know writing the introduction to Spark mm-hmm. um I've been writing smaller pieces for other people which is interesting as a way of collaborating to have others sort of be like will you write this thing for me mm-hmm. um but I really, if I spent the next year not collaborating on anything, I probably would be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. The pace has definitely slowed down for some of us, and we have to think about, you know, self-care and... um yeah I, and paying be attention, nice yeah be on my mm-hmm. own
1: deadline for a little bit, you know, yeah exactly. things yeah. that I've promised others I will write with them, or things I've mm-hmm. promised others I will engage in, in thinking projects with, you know I'm, yeah-, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I mean, some of us are, are um dubbing this moment the moment of great exposure, we're learning a mm-hmm. lot about a lot of different elements that mm-hmm. surround us, right in our environment. And then people are being welcoming of us too. And when I say us, I mean like, you know, by POC. Yeah. And especially like you said in the industry, because our talents are definitely coveted right now because, you know, we, we understand what these experiences are about. Um, right. And
1: I had worked with this company last year, just momentarily, like for a day, I went in. And then after, um, as you say, BLM2, <laughs> after the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, they reached out and, and wanted to make it more long-term. Um, and, and so it's, it's a blessing and it's a curse to both to be in this body, to have this knowledge and to have this interest and expertise, um, because I just feel like you're being tapped and seen in a way that isn't necessarily comfortable right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we have to learn about you know putting those boundaries up around us as well. <laughs> and I think um, one thing that I'm able to empathize with you on is how we also need to pe- be paying attention to ourselves, right? And why did we come into this field? Yeah. And what did we like? What did we really want to do? Like going back to you know the black comedic uh, project that you were.
1: What well, did like we want to. No, right? Did we have a sense of what? reality was Uh you know or what it could be I, i think i'm living right now in a moment of like what it could be like i feel excited about what it could be you know i talk to students who are current doctoral candidates or who are just now entering programs and i'm like you're black like yes do it you're latinx you're indigenous like yes get in here we need you, are you done yet? <laughs> i know right it has felt so lonely but i feel like in the last yeah like five or six years there's just been so many amazing um, young scholars, new to the field scholars, um, or like long to the field who are just like raising their voices and being known. And I'm so excited for that because it's starting to feel like the field that I want to be a part of instead of one that I joined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, it, day. It like I learned.
0: I know what you mean, and and the more of these projects that come out, the better for us, right? And we want to. I think I don't know how you uh, feel about it, but we're continuing to try to challenge this idea of the special issue, right? Yes. And yes. yeah, and just like kind of make the special this,
1: seminar, right? That's yeah,
0: topic. yeah, definitely. We need to um, work more on those um, coalitional relationships for sure. Um, so. That's cool. I know. I think about it, too. Uh, The young scholars coming up and the work that they will do and who they'll be engaging with and things like that. Um, So let's go ahead and and close up here. Um, If there's one suggestion that you give fellow academicians during this time of uncertainty with regards to, you know, personal healing or personal growth. A reflection, or if you want to talk about, you know, in terms of the professional aspect, any, anything, mm-hmm. um, what would be one suggestion that you'd give?
1: I'm going to cheat and give two because that's my nature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, rest, rest your body, rest your heart, rest your souls. Rest is resistance. We are not made to grind ourselves from dusk until dawn every damn day rest take care of the self take your ass to bed it's <laughs> important um, and then to um, make love and I mean that literally if that's your prerogative <laughs> And I mean that figuratively too they do work that fuels you make art make beautiful things write things that you love and you can be proud of don't run away from it there may not be a space for it right now but hold on to it there will be a space for it in a very new feature, And I hope that people like me and senior scholars in the field and well-established, you know, been out here for a minute and are shaking some stuff up, um, are making room for it. So make love and rest. It's beautiful. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you, Sherry, for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.